VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms, and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert! We're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised... Press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel, go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. What did we watch? We just watched No Exit, the seventh episode of Miami Vice's first season, which of, for, of course first came out November 9th, 1984. I believe this episode is primarily noteworthy because it was directed by David Soule, huh. who of course is best known for playing Rick on the TV version of Casablanca. 
There you go. And also he played either Starsky or Hutch. He did a good job with this. So you enjoyed the direction. I thought this was a good episode of television. I came into this completely as as green as the FBI agent who initially wanted to do the undercover work despite having no background in such matters. So you, I, you knew nothing of this Miami Vice. I knew of. whatever I picked up through cultural osmosis. However, you know, it, when people reference Miami Vice or In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins or people wearing white blazers over pastel-covered T-shirts or 1980s Florida, the wildness, the alligators, the cocaine, the sex... Sounds like you knew quite a bit about Miami Vice. I just, again, what you pick up through cultural osmosis, I've never seen an episode of Miami Vice. Ever. Uh, this episode uh, is also known for featuring some very early work by one Bruce Willis. As the villain. I believe this may have been his first work, acting work outside of an off-Broadway appearance. Well, yeah, it, it, it certainly, he, he comes into it and, and you know, he's going to... It's fun to see young Bruce Willis, although he's quite a ne'er-do-well in this thing. He's not like David Addison in this thing. He's not. Like, he doesn't have a redeeming quality in this at all. No. So I feel like it would have been better if they gave him something a little more interesting to work with. This guy's just very much... You're not like, oh, okay, he's kind of flawed. This guy's like a fucking monster. <laughs> but he's he definitely gives off a very scary manic energy. So, I mean, that felt really... He did a good job with, with that. So, based on your lack of it, what were you expecting? Was it what you expected? Was it better? Was it worse? So, I was expecting Florida of the 1980s, uh, pastel clothing, sex, drugs, cocaine, alligators snorting cocaine, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that's what I was expecting. Uh, and that's what we got to a certain extent. But it was a lot more grounded than I expected it to be. It, it had, it felt certainly situated in a time and place and... Uh, it, it felt surprisingly spare in terms of its storytelling, which I thought really worked for it. Can you elaborate? Uh, I don't know. It's just, it, it was very... You, you compared it favorably to Kojak. Yeah, Kojak feels very much grounded within 1970s New York. Like, look at this hellhole. We're all just trying to survive here. Look at all these crazy people doing these crimes. But, you know, there's a larger-than-life central figure, Kojak, who's kind of, you know, adds to more of the, you know, kind of silliness sometimes. But you still take him seriously. And this kind of just felt like that for my 1980s Miami. It felt very grounded. You know, we're on, we're, we're seeing all this stuff where, you know, there's alligators coming out of the woodwork. There's all these pink buildings. Very Miami. But it, uh, you know, it, it kind of, it feels grounded. It feels a little bit gritty. It feels, you know, it's different. I liked it. I thought it was good. This is a show it sounds like you like to watch again. Yeah. Now, Mr. Interviewer, what did you feel about it? Uh, I, I think when this particular episode was rerun in like maybe 85 or something, by that point, Moonlighting had come out and I was enjoying it. So I think I may have tuned in for a few minutes of this episode. <laughs> That's not David Addison. <laughs> But other than that, I'd never seen an episode of uh, the program. Uh, back in the 80s, I was not a big fan of 80s music. I preferred to, uh, I would have enjoyed a police show, perhaps, with <laughs> the uh, music of, say, an Elvis Presley. Back, that would have been my musical taste of the 1980s. So that's kind of sad, because Frank, your main guy now is Frank Sinatra. That would be much more classy. I, did, I, was, I, was not, I did not yet have the sophistication the taste. That would be a classy police show. To uh, 
to enjoy a well, I think an Elvis Elvis backing for a police show. If you have like kind of early Elvis, that could have some fun energy to it. Like 1950s town yeah. in the south. Yeah, kind of like a fun but rowdy the prob- energy. But the problem is, if you're doing a cop show involving 1950s southern cops, uh, yeah, that's you're not probably going to yeah, go some places. They're going to be the bad guys. Uh, yeah. God, that's awful. But yeah, it's true. But, you know, I, I listen, I honestly, I didn't really care for the music in this necessarily. I like some of the kind of over-the-top synth, the main song that they had about somebody doesn't care anymore, whatever. That didn't do it for me. That was by our good friend, Mr. Phil Collins. I, I, I like In the Air tonight, but, I mean, the, this one I, I wasn't familiar with. Didn't care for it. Liked some of the over-the-top synthy kind of like, it was really like, like it was like, it was really over-the-top, and I kind of enjoyed it because I thought it was fun. Um, but what did you think of the story? What did you think of the storytelling in this one? Uh, I think I remember we both commented early on. Well, it starts with a bang, and neither one of us had any idea what was going on. It's like a bunch of old people in a park, and then bad guy drug dealers are shooting a machine gun at them, and the cops who are trying to do a sting. So that's fun. You have no idea what's going on. Just everybody's running. It, it, it's just crazy. And, like, Commander Adama from the uh, Battlestar Galactica reboot is there. So it's, it's a, a young, fun game. A very, a ridiculously young Edward James Olmos. <laughs> but I keep asking you, what is your opinion? And like a, like a secretive arms dealer, you're hiding it away from, from prying eyes on a, on a creaking old warehouse or ship where no one can see it and the feds won't get you. So what is your opinion? You're going to have to uh, break into my home and bug it to find out. Yeah, to out. find out what you fucking thought of this episode. I enjoyed it. Why? <laughs> can you give me anything more than that? I thought Bruce Willis uh, did a very good job. Very menacing. Yes. And it felt real. Like, it didn't feel like, oh, it's just Bruce Willis pretending to be bad. You're like, this guy's a fucking sociopath. Uh, I thought the story wasn't particularly original, but it was told in a very stylish and involving way. Yeah, it's not. It's the writing is not going to blow anyone away. But it's it's. Oh, it's these city cops in Miami, and they want to get a bad guy. But oh, oh, the feds are coming. And they want to get a bad guy too, but for the wrong reasons. They don't really care about anything except their stinger missiles. Yeah, I, it was it was certainly cliched. We've seen this story a billion times before. Although, frankly, at this point in my life in police procedurals, I expect to. I mean, if I'm surprised by a police procedural, then that's like, wow, that's a big deal. Or either it either means you did really well or somebody really fucked up. Now, this, is that does that is that an argument for perhaps maybe you've watched too many police procedurals? Obviously, is I think we time, all is have. Is it time for you to move on? Don't you think it's society's watched too many police procedurals? Don't you think we so all? So is it time for us this? all to move on? I mean, they can be fun. They're relaxing. So I mean, I don't. I don't know if I could say that I want to move on from them. Maybe I should, but they're they're certainly kind of fun because you kind of know what to expect. But there's something to say about people playing the same song, but someone bringing a different style to it, and perhaps a style that you prefer and is a little bit more innovative and original than the rest of the kind of more generic things. And this felt like it was in that category. It was just. It was stylish well tilled it managed to 
creates suspense even at, at certain times, even though I'm, you know, I can guess the story beats here, but uh-oh, why are they accosting this man in a bathroom? What's going to happen? Uh, you know, or, oh no, there's an alligator on the boat. You know, like I, I enjoyed that. I think there were moments you were genuinely surprised and did not expect the next thing to happen. Oh, and what about you? <laughs> I'm just like this little ingenue over here and you're the old crusty eyed. Well, you're pretty grizzled. young. And- Innocent, you haven't been around the block. You don't have much experience with Michael Mann. This is so Mann. classic Kevin on this show. Because we'll watch it and he'll be like, oh, geez, I love this. And then he'll get on the show and you're like, I'm just an observer of human nature. I'm very detached. And let me fangirl over <laughs> this fucking thing while you're just there stroking your chin, smoking your little pipe. Bah! Didn't someone say it was like, we're fire and ice. You're the, you're the hothead. You're the emotional one. And I'm more like the cool professor. Yeah, you tell yourself that, babe. <laughs> I support you. <laughs> I think uh, I I didn't I we, I didn't know any of these characters. I know it's Crockett and Tubbs. I know that's the two main guys. And and Edward James Olmos. And and then you know stand and deliver. I don't get that. What, didn't he play a teacher in Stand and Deliver? I don't know. I don't know what that is. I thought for that was while, something that Highwaymen said. For a while, there was this, this uh, genre where you'd have... Uh, where basically the genre was, let's take Welcome Back Hotter and make a drama out of it. Oh, Where God. You, you'd have these tough teachers teaching unteachable kids and somehow inspiring them. Yeah, Stan Deliver, uh, Edward James almost plays a high school teacher who's being hassled by tough students. That's a kind of a dumb description. But he's also pressured by his bosses who want him to control his raucous classroom. There you go. I think he inspires them. They end up learning a thing or two about not just Shakespeare, but life. I'd never seen it, so I was uh, surprised. Uh, Crockett was pretty much what I expected. He's kind of like a little too smooth, a little too 80s, over the top. Tubbs was a bit more emotional than I expected, and that was kind of fun. I like Tubbs. I like Tubbs was emotional. He's yelling. He's pissed off because people are shooting at him. I felt like that's relatable. That's a relatable energy to bring to the role, so I like that. So why do you think the other guy didn't feel like a real guy? He just felt like an '80s guy. But didn't he have more of a career afterwards? I mean, what happened to Philip Michael Thomas? I don't know. But I, I liked I liked Tubbs better. Crockett just felt like more like the kind of cliched '80s cop, like you like kind of like you know, oh man, this guy's a jerk, and like you know, like like he's like he's just he doesn't he's not really saying real things. He's saying like catchphrases. Yeah. And he's like wearing his little outfit. I mean, that's fun. I enjoy that. But it's kind of like okay. But the other guy felt a little bit more real, or like he was like, eh. He's kind of just done with all this shit. So who are you? Are you Crockett? Are you Tubbs? Are you Edward James Olmos? I think, are you one well, of the feds? if you're the ice, quote unquote, that you're just boasting about, then, then that means you're Crockett and I'm Tubbs, because I'm always getting pissed off, and you're Mr. Smooth Man running around with, with shoes and no socks. So, so you're saying I'm very Don Johnson-esque. I often don't shave. <laughs> are you often staring in people's houses on telescopes and boats 
And we don't need to talk about our love life. <laughs> Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank member FDIC. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And also, like, it's funny because, like, in the meetings with the feds, John Don Johnson's character would be, like, really more over the top. Like, they'd be like, oh, we have a case and we want to arrest him now. And be like, no, no, no. Like, this was over the top. And Tubbs is more, like, quietly pissed off. That felt like something that was more realistic than someone being like, no, you can't do it. We got to do it my way. It's like, ugh, shut up. But I mean, I I liked I, I I like the I like also like this like this background crew of people who are like also helping them like the tech guys setting up that hey this is a tape recorder it's pretty high tech and like I mean that was kind of fun I I enjoyed seeing them do things like bug the house like they feel like they went into a little more detail than you're used to yeah you're so innocent you didn't even know that bugging houses would involve breaking into a home I am very innocent I'm very I'm not, I never did crimes in the 80s. Believe it or not. Because you weren't born then. Yes. That's my, yeah. That's the only reason I've you never done crimes. crimes. I've never well, done. So the other kind of music I really like is like Broadway, garish Broadway show tunes. Would that work as the background music of a cop show? So are you talking about like cop rock? <laughs> That's not garish Broadway show tunes. Like a good Sondheim thing. Some you want Cole a Sondheim? Porter. You want Son, You want a Sondheim police show? Wouldn't that have been incredible? I think it would have been wasting Mr. Sondheim's talents, don't you think? Now you know he wrote a, a mystery that some people uh, liked, The Last of Sheila. Yeah, I'd be interested in seeing that. But I mean, did he? So was it a musical? No. Okay, so there you go. Maybe he felt he. Maybe he felt that wasn't somewhere he wanted to go. I think if you like said it, like when was like when in your view was like the height of Broadway's powers? The height of Broadway's powers. Oh God, this is gonna be a fucking five-hour conversation. Jesus, what have I done? Well, in some cases, <sighs> you'd argue that you know uh, some of the great music uh, was done in the twenties. You have your Rodgers and Hart, you have mm -hmm. Cole Porter's at his peak. 
But really, Anya, Broadway, as you know it, didn't really come into being until after 1943 with the advent of a little show called Oklahoma. So let's say late 40s, early 50s. Let's say, though, let's prefer the early music stuff and the penchant for not really having the songs match the show because that gives you more flexibility. So let's let's say maybe a 1920s New York police story that's in kind of old-timey musical show where some of the songs have to do with the plot, but a lot of them don't. And it's just for fun. We're just having fun here. Don't overthink it. I'd watch that show. Yeah, I would too. So actually, that sounds amazing, and I have great ideas. You're so, welcome. <laughs> so now I've told you I've told you about some of the songs I like. What, what music do you most like, and would that be transferable to a cop show? <laughs> oh, my God. I don't, when you said that, I got an awful idea, but like, I don't know. What would? What was your awful idea? It is an awful idea, but I mean, one band I really like. I think you can kind of like it's kind of a synthy kind of groove to it, and you can have like it be a very low key. What is this band? Future Islands. We went to uh. see them in Indianapolis. If you kind of have that synthy vibe, it's not really an '80s synthy vibe. It's kind of a new synthy vibe. And very emotive lyrics. You could have that, but it would have to be for like a very quiet rural show with really excellent cinematography. Very emotional. Very a little bit abstract at times. Maybe maybe it only lasts a season. People didn't get it, but I did. So kind of like emo. Not emo. Ugh, you don't you don't understand art. <laughs> you don't understand. So when is this show set? Like the late nineties. Uh no, it could be set now. But it's just it's just very rural. It's very it's a backwards place. No one understands the detective. She tried to get out, but she always just kept coming home. <laughs> I think it's nice. Um, in terms of other kinds of music, I mean, I like 80s music, but that's been kind of done to death, so I don't think... Including a little program called Miami Vice. Yeah, we don't need to do that again. Uh, I don't know. I think I think you could do something... I think I think it's more you have to pick like a big genre. So I think doing the the nineteen I really like that idea of nineteen twenties. You can have like Broadway sounds, but you know just kind of keep it random, keep it keep it spicy. I like I like old timey sounds, so I think I would well, enjoy you that. Me. Exactly. <laughs> you know what kind of music always sounds like kind of ominous that you could do in it, but like you couldn't you couldn't overdo it because like one if you do it too much it loses the effect. The music that sounds happy but ominous to me is like 1950s kind of doo-wop, kind of like people singing in, like white people singing in groups about like cheery things. That's, that's always a little ominous to me, you know? Like, like the, like, like, I can't think of it, like, like the, the equivalent, the real life equivalent of like the five swell guys from SCTV, that kind of thing can sound ominous. And if you put that over like a, Horrible murder, or you know, people investigating something that could be good. Causing, uh, so, causing sort, to wipe away a tear. Sort of the equivalent of uh, didn't L.A. Confidential began with the uh, Dean Martin song "Ain't That a Kick in the Head" as some act of violence occurred. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like that though. I don't know why. It should have worked for me, but it just didn't. It's like just get to the story. Come on. That felt like it was very pleased with itself. <laughs> I love that movie, but yeah, that for, for some reason that was like one of those. You ever have that, Kevin, where you're watching something and you're like, this should be tailor-made for me, but it's just not working for some reason that you don't even know why. 
Uh, I'm sure it's happened. <sighs> I'm very picky. Yes, that's why you're with me. So, what? Why do you think this episode was called No Exit? Uh, I would. I don't understand that. I know that's the uh, the philosophical play about you know hell is other people, et cetera, et cetera. The struggle for dominance in human relationships. Yeah. Uh, I guess the the wife. I mean, the wife. The the the, the uh, Bruce Willis's in, in you know evil uh guy he's playing his wife he's like abusing and is really emotionally abusive psychologically abusive physically abusive but it's not like she's it's not like a struggle for dominance he's just abusing and and dominating her constantly so it kind of felt i didn't really get the title here and it wasn't i mean i guess like she has no exit she can't escape him but it didn't feel like she was enough of a focus of the episode to really have that title be warranted in my opinion so i went to wikipedia and i looked up and no exit was not the original title for this what was the original title bruce willis bad guy <laughs> take, take this seriously for no! once in your life i fucking refuse to this is a mystery to me baby three-eyed turtle what was like Oops, there's an alligator on my boat taken. <laughs> Three-eyed turtle. So what do you think that means? Is that like a weapons reference? Because he's an arms dealer? It's a reference. It's definitely a reference. You want to take another guess? They did a lot of coke before naming it? It's a reference, ladies and gentlemen, to a sexual act. Ew. <laughs> why do you say ooh? What are you? Why are you? Why are you defending it? I think just why are you so repulsed by the uh, existence? Because of sex? the I'm not. I think that's a really gross name for whatever it is. So if it was, do you, some, do you see a turtle and think, "Wow, now you know that's a sexy thing"? What, what the fuck? So, so you think it should be some like a, a lovely lady and a lovely gentleman love each other very much? <laughs> That's what we call this. I think you should you never. Need, you I need. think you should never be allowed to name TV fucking episodes. I think that's what this conversation has revealed. I think the name of a sex act should be like Snappy. Three so like turtle. a snapping turtle. Is that a fucking turtle joke that I just heard? It should be Snappy. Jesus fucking. Christ. You want you want all the titles of sex acts to be like nineteenth century novels that just go on for. Ani is now so, Ani is now looking I'm up. I'm looking it up. And so that's why they were so interested in that woman who was stretching all over the place. Is that what this was supposed to be? So why okay, I I you know what? Like, I don't even want to know why they wanted to name it that. Are you just reading about sex acts? No, I'm just rethinking my life. So what so I let's just move on. Do we have anything else? Do you have anything else to say about this? Now, I forget. Did I tell you that No Exit was not the original title? Showing your submission. <laughs> you spoke first. That was Dead Air Chicken, and you you were the chicken. I think you sighed and went like, <gasps> <laughs> I think that counts as no. speaking without words. Jesus Christ. So what do you want to talk about now? So what, So you didn't like... Three-eyed turtle. You didn't like. It doesn't no have exit. anything to do with the fucking episode. If they're gonna do a vice show about like you know maybe there's some something they're busting some sort of sex work situation, 
you know, maybe a sexual title makes sense. Or maybe if sex had come up in this, it that, it just feels like that's not a very serious title. So I, about, I'm glad they went with no exit. What about Venus Butterfly? I, I don't know. Is that another sex act? What would you have called it? I don't know. What about the sting? Because they're going after stingers. <laughs> Wouldn't Paul Newman and Robert Redford well, I, you can't have copyright been first that. in line the courthouse the next morning? No. I don't know. Stung. I think it's just as well you're not involved in naming I just think TV that episodes. no exit's kind of, eh. They weren't even driving around in this that much. I mean, there was some driving, but, I mean, they're not, like, busting drugs coming down the highway. Come on. It has to match a little bit. I think simple titles are best. Like, say, no exit. Yeah, but that doesn't really match any of the themes of the thing. The struggle for dominance. The existential nature of life. Uh, I, I don't. I don't really know if this episode for me got that existential. I think that's giving it a little bit too much credit, to be honest. No. <laughs> Kevin just froze. His mouth agape. His hand outstretched. That was that was a. Don't tell anyone the shocking twist ending. That was that the was... shocking ending, yeah. Well, we can tell people the twist ending. Yeah, of course. That's what we do on this show. You always, like, balk at it, and it's like, that's what we always do. And it's literally in the warning of the introduction. So why are you so afraid, Kevin? Why? <laughs> so it ends with, basically, they bust him, because he stole all these uh, missile launchers. Bust Bruce Willis. They got him. They got his ass. Tubbs has been pretending to be a Jamaican gun runner uh he's undercover with them but he gains their trust and he uh they spy on him but then bruce willis finds a bug in his house and he freaks out but they manage to get the deal going ahead anyways then the feds come in bust him gets arrested all right and uh you know basically the the wife uh, that he'd been abusing she's so f afraid of him that she had tried to have him uh killed by a hitman but Crockett was able to kind of convince her to, like, hey, just stay with him. Just keep it chill, basically. Um, and then we'll put him away forever so you can leave him finally. And you can get away from him, even though he's done all these horrible things to you, including a horrific attack on the wife of an attorney she hired to help her get divorced. Now, so we get to the end. Then the feds come in. The feds want to take Bruce Willis because he can help them fight the communists in South America. You know, so he... He's going to get off scot-free, so the wife comes up and shoots him as Crockett yells, no, and it freezes on him. Yeah. So you're kind of like, all right, you know, you've probably seen something like this before. But I thought it was well told. It was well executed. So I give it credit for that. Whether or not it, it lives up to the existential question of its title, I, I, don't, I don't think it does, but that's just my opinion. So the key plot, the, the Stinger missiles were handheld uh, Stinger missiles that they stress could be used to shoot down commercial aircraft. Yes. Do you think that's a story that would have been... <laughs> do you think that's a story that would work in a post-9-11 world on a police procedural? What do you mean? Like, if it's realistic or what? I mean, or if I, people would be too upset by it. Yeah, people would be too upset by it. I don't think so. I think they... I mean, 24 did, like, a whole episode about a nuclear bomb going off in Los Angeles. See, People are willing to deal with it. Nuclear bombs don't really go off in Los Angeles. Passenger planes really have been targeted. 
I mean, passenger planes were targeted from the 1970s onward. There was an influx of skyjacking, murders, uh, bombs, Lockerbie. I mean, I, I think I think people like to watch things that have a... I don't think... I don't think you could do... I think it would be... You would be hard-pressed to do something like that grim and having it actually happen. You know, it's like seeing the airliner explode. Like, you'd have to execute that pretty carefully, I think. But I think... Especially, you know, you know, how nearly two decades later, I think people engage with that kind of darkness and, you know, there's been, I, I, I don't think, I think we're all pretty jaded. So I think it just kind of actually increases our willingness to see horrible dark things because we've seen it in real life. I think society will just continue to become more and more jaded. I don't think there's... I don't think there's like anything where there's going to be a retreat to kind of being like, oh, we can't show that. I mean, I, do you I, think this episode would work today? Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you updated it, sure. I mean, like, like check out any police procedural today. I mean, like, if there's any, if there's any whiff of terrorism, they're gonna, they're going to have plots that are, would be in real life, just as scary as, the, as this one, if not scarier. You know, people bombing people. Uh, I mean, the thing about police procedurals that's kind of bad, in my opinion, like not bad in terms of storytelling, but bad maybe for like the people who are consuming the stories, is that I think it kind of trains you to assume all these kind of horrible things are like, a, you know, a, like a, a, a moment away. Uh, you know, like, like if you watch police procedurals you probably really will overestimate the commonness of like serial killers or like terrorism plots you know that's just because that i mean that those are interesting stories so they're told so people kind of get immersed in that a lot and they're just you know it makes us all more jaded i'd say that no exit makes me want to yes enter the world of miami vice no <laughs> Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore to underscore me underscore. And at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast at gmail.com. We're not teens setting up hotmail accounts in the early 2000s, so all of those spell out two as T O. Thanks, Thanks so, so much, much for, for listening. listening.